Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Monday, January 19th. I'm Sophie Kazos. Today, we're going behind the scenes of the Vice series Minority Reports. Minority Reports is a Vice series that explores communities of underrepresented individuals in unexpected places. For example, the world's first non-Korean K-pop group, a black bull rider in the majority white sport, and the rise of Asian rap culture. Last week, a new episode aired, and this time it's about the growing population of Latino Muslims in the United States. Right now, there are at least 250,000 Latino Muslims in this country, and the population is growing. So the host of the show, Lee Adams, went to Houston, Texas to shoot this episode. It's the epicenter of the Latino Muslim community. Just 350 miles away from the Mexican-American border during one of the worst deportation crises in recent history, and less than a year from the Muslim ban. We gotta go and we gotta knock the shit out of these people. I've come here to meet Jaime. Jaime? Yeah. I'm Lee, huh? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, man. The founder of America's first Islam and Spanish Center to find out why two of America's most discriminated groups are actually coming together. So I sat down with Lee to learn more. Hi, Lee. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about an episode of your series Minority Reports, but I want to first start with the series itself. So broadly speaking, what is Minority Reports? So in short, Minority Reports is a documentary series where we seek out minorities in places where you wouldn't expect to find them and try to understand how their minority status shapes their experiences. And we cover it in such a way that we hope that the show sparks larger cultural conversations. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the episode we're talking about. It's specifically about the growing population of Latino Muslims in the U.S., What were you trying to get at with this episode? What were you trying to learn? Yeah, you know, in 2009, I think 1% of the American Muslim population was Latino. And in 2018, that number grew by 700%. Wow. And the epicenter of this movement is in Houston. And so we wanted to know at this specific moment in history, so many months from the Muslim ban, so many miles from one of the worst immigration deportation crises in recent history, why these two communities were coming together and why they were growing in such a robust way. Yeah, that's super interesting. Before we get into the why, I'm curious, can you describe what that community looked like in Houston? Like, what were the spaces you were going in and out of? And, you know, how how many people are Latino Muslims in Houston? It's hard to put a number on it in Houston, but in America, I believe the figure is estimated somewhere between 
three hundred and four hundred thousand American Muslims are Latino, Spanish speaking Latino converts. And in Houston, there's so much diversity. Obviously, there is a lot of Mexican and Central American Latino, Spanish speaking, you know, members of the Muslim community there. But there are also people from, you know, further in South America, like Colombia. There are people from Puerto Rico and the Spanish speaking islands in the Caribbean. So within this like incredible diverse city that already exists in America, when you look at the American Muslim community in Houston, it's a larger picture of what America looks like. It's incredibly diverse. And Houston is home to the country's first Spanish mosque, an Islam and Spanish center. And when you go there, there's children, there are, you know, people, you know, upwards of 60 years old converting as well. Um, Women wearing the hijab, speaking Spanish at the same time, you know, still participating in their cultural practices and rehearsing, like eating the same foods that they've had their entire lives, but, you know, change significantly to accommodate their religion. So like you might still eat beans and rice, but they won't be made with pork, things like that. So it's incredible to hear someone switch in between Arabic and Spanish and English all within the same conversation. Yeah, that's super fascinating. So I want to talk about the Islam and Spanish Center, because Mm -hmm. in the episode, you met with the founder of this center. His name's Jaime. Let's start with his story. So what initially brought Jaime to Islam? Like what what made him convert? Yeah, I believe Jaime was born in America and then his parents sent him to Colombia where his family is from because they saw him, you know, going down a very a certain path. He was getting caught up in gang life. And when he came back, his worldview had shifted a little bit, but then he like fell back into the same pattern of gang life. And Jaime tells us about seeing his friends die to violence and to addiction. And he realized that he wanted something different for his life. And he was searching for something. He couldn't really put his finger on it. And then he found Islam. He kind of stumbled upon it through being exposed to books. And over the course of learning about the religion, he made trips to Mecca on his pilgrimage, and he ultimately converted and accepted the teachings of Islam. And he said it radically changed his life, and it filled this void that had always been there that he couldn't really figure out, like, what it was. So did Jaime shop around for religions, or did someone introduce him to the Quran and, you know, the teachings of Islam, and and that was that? He was like reading about the Abrahamic religions and because Jaime was culturally Catholic and it was just like for, for a lot of us who are raised in a Christian household, it's kind of just something that's always been there, but it's not a intrinsic part of your identity. Like I'm a prime example of that. I was raised in a Baptist household, like Baptist, Episcopalian. My parents were different denominations, but Jesus is everyone's homeboy. And I remember growing up and thinking, like, this is just something in my life, but it's not something that really speaks to me on any deep level. It doesn't define who I am. It hasn't, like, steered me down one path or another, really. It's just, like, religion. And it was a similar situation for Jaime. And then when he noticed where his life was going and where he saw the place he was bound to end up after almost losing his life one day, he just picked up a book and thought, like, maybe I should take religion more seriously and over the course of like his investigations, the thing that kept speaking to him and kept drawing him in with more questions in his mind was Islam. And every time he had a question, he found an answer in the Quran. And so it was a very quick enlightenment in as far as 
he wanted answers and he kept finding them and he kept finding them and one thing led to another and he decided like obviously there's something here for me and I need to pursue it. Yeah, so what I'm curious about is you talk to a lot of different people who mm-hmm. were Catholics, they were Latino Catholics and then they converted to Islam and I'm wondering like are many of the stories you heard similar to Jaime's or were people's reasons for converting all different? What what were some of those reasons? So there are a couple common denominators in a lot of people's experiences that are Latino that convert to Islam. And one of them is this breakdown in familial bonds, because for a lot of culturally Catholic Latinos, they have been so socialized by the media and the media's portrayal of Islam that they immediately push back against it. And they think it is a religion of extremists and it is a religion of violence and it is a religion that oppresses women. And what a lot of converts discover is that, you know, none of these things are true. And so first they have to navigate, you know, this breakdown in their in their family structure and this instant refusal of the religion that they've accepted. Then they have to go out into society as Spanish-speaking members of the community and deal with not only xenophobia, but Islamophobia. And you would think that all of this like trauma that kind of happens when you make this life decision that alters the course of your life, that this would be a weakness or a hindrance in the way that they navigate the world. But for a lot of Latino converts in Islam, they view it as a strength because to them, it means that they not only have to be the best Latino American that they can be, but they have to be the best Muslim American that they can be because their job now uniquely is to bring understanding to, you know, bring understanding for Islam to the Latino community and then to the larger American community that they live in. So for a lot of them, it's like, you know, there's a common denominator, a common experience of a familial breakdown of, you know, weird looks when they're in public. But also the Moors ruled Spain for like 700 years when you reach back into history. And if you look at the architecture of Spain, a lot of it is very reminiscent of what you would find in the uh, ancient Muslim parts of the world where Islam was prevalent. And what a lot of people see is that they're like reclaiming some lost part of their culture that was never taught to them because Catholicism, as a lot of us know, throughout history was used as justifying conquest. And so a lot of the Spanish speaking parts of our world are culturally Catholic because it was something that was given to them by the sword. And Islam was something that had always been there and had been washed out, basically. So they view it as like they're reclaiming their identity they're finding strength in a community that has experienced similar trauma to them. And they unfortunately have this breakdown in their family ties. So when I watched the episode, you know, it made me think about how it's a group of people who aren't necessarily finding religion for the first time. They're converting from one religion, either because that's their cultural background or because they're actually practicing to another religion. And so it was interesting to me that all of these people are choosing Islam rather than Buddhism or Mm -hmm. Judaism. Like there are other religions. So why Islam? And that was one main question that came up. And I think you started to answer that in your previous response. And I think one thing that stands out is really these parallel experiences of racism in America and xenophobia in America and how there's sort of some understanding there between 
the two groups of people. And, and that's really interesting to me. So on that note, right, interestingly enough, Islam is one of, if not the most diverse religion in the world. And there's no concept of real racism within Islam. And like being Latino and being Catholic has never made America a kind place to you. There's no brotherhood among Christians in that regard here. But when you become Muslim within the Islamic community, they're welcoming. So for a lot of Latinos, it's like, what has being Catholic done for me here? People still look at me like a second class citizen. They don't see me as an equal you become Muslim, you find this religion that has a lot of answers, and it's a very personal religion, right? Like you have a very one-on-one personal relationship with God. There's no priest, there's no intermediaries, you don't tithe, you don't go to confession, there's no scandals within the Catholic Church that question your faith and the people that are handing your faith down to you. You have a very personal relationship with God, and you are part of a community that welcomes you with wide open arms. And that's another reason why this isn't just a few people converting in a very weird way in a very small place. This is something that's growing and is continuing to grow. Um, And I think that's, you know, as these teachings of Islam spread within the Latino community, you're going to see more and more Spanish mosques pop up across America, and you're going to see a lot more Spanish-speaking Muslim Americans, you know, in your day-to-day life. Yeah, in the film, basically every single person you talked to said that part of their conversion included unlearning stereotypes against Muslims and sort of these false assumptions about, you know, radicalization and extremism. What was that experience actually like for those people? Like, what were your conversations like? Yeah, it's funny because they were telling me about how a lot of the women specifically, you know, if you look at Islam, it's true that there is a separation in genders in a lot of mosques where women pray in one room and men pray in another. In the Spanish speaking mosque in Houston, that's not the case. Women and men pray in the same prayer room together. The women will say that they put on the hijab, the headscarf, immediately. They feel that practicing modesty actually gave them more confidence to navigate the world. They'll still wear heels. They still wear dresses. But this scarf gives them something that, you know, wasn't there before. And then, like, you know, a lot of the misconceptions about Islam that they have or that their families have are based in illegitimacies perpetuated by the media. And, and, you know, if you were told that Muslims are violent and you're continuously told that Muslims are violent and that they're committing these terrible acts all over the world to innocent people, of course, you're going to be like, yeah, well, that's the case. And then you join this religion or you spend time in the community and you realize this is not true. It couldn't be any less true. And so for a lot of them, this like discovery that they're making as they're going on this religious journey for them is very liberating in a lot of ways. And the most incredible thing about the Latino converts in Islam is that Latinos now have the ability to go into America and disparage all of these misconceptions that we have about Islam. They are uniquely able, because they are converts, they are uniquely situated to defeat a lot of these misconceptions. Right. They can say, like, I thought this before and now I understand it differently after. Yeah. They can literally, you know what I mean? They can just say, like, you've known me my entire life, mom, dad, friends and family. Do I look like 
I'm an extremist? Do I look like I'm going to strap a bomb to my chest? Do I look like I hate America? Do I look like that's who I am or who I'm becoming? Like, no. You know, especially because Islam is such a disciplined religion. You have to pray five times a day and you really have, you have to fast. Like, there are things that you have to do. There are a lot of sacrifices involved. It's just incredible to see their dedication to not only being the best Latino that they can be, but being the best Muslim that they can be. In addition to meeting with the founder of Islam in Spanish and meeting all of these converts and sort of, you know, being in that community and talking to people, you also talked to someone from a Catholic church in Houston yep. who was pretty concerned about the growing movement. And, you know, he feels that the Muslim community is targeting disenfranchised Latinos and that, like, this is a concerted effort and that it's something that we should all be, you know, nervous about. What was that conversation like? And in your research, like, what did you actually find? Yeah, I mean, I also had, like, a skepticism, as any journalist would, when I walked into the situation, because on the one hand, it's something truly amazing and, like, incredible and awesome and very cool to experience. And on the other hand, you're thinking, well, is this a religious minority that is seeking out space to kind of grow their numbers and influence in America? And... Those are kind of the sentiments that this Catholic group had when I spoke to them, that they think this is a backlash against, you know, assimilation and Western culture and Catholicism. And they insinuate that they think that these people, these Latino Americans or these Latino immigrants that are converting to Islam are leaving something that they don't understand. Whether, you know, that means that they lack the ability to understand what they're leaving or whether it implies that they've been misled in some way, that skepticism is something that I think, you know, America at large would share. The why isn't really like, oh, I'm curious, tell me more about it. It's like, whose agenda does this serve and why is it happening? And I think what you'll find is that, you know, none of the people that I met over the course of telling the story and working on this doc were disenfranchised people. They ran the gamut of American life. Some of them were prominent members of society, doctors, lawyers, business owners. Others were former gang members. Others founded in prison. But the thing that's most important, I think, is if you're going to ask that question, why, the best response is look at what it has done for these people's lives. Because ultimately, we all have to live with and near each other. And if it's made them better people, better neighbors to you and I, that's what we should all support. Because questioning someone's faith or chastising them just because they worship differently than I do, that's never going to contribute to building a world that we all enjoy living in. All it does is like continuously sow the seeds of separation and in some cases, hatred. Yeah. One thing I'm wondering is, you know, when you grow up in a religion, lots of people find themselves questioning that religion eventually. Like that's a very common experience. And I'm wondering, you know, for some of these people who are converting to a completely different religion that also, you know, has many different cultures associated with it. Did any of these people like have doubts? Like, did any of them end up saying like, wait a second, I actually want to go back or like I I tried this and, you know, it didn't work out for me. Like, was there any kind of questioning that happened along the way or were people mostly satisfied? Yeah, I mean, it's a process for a lot of individuals and some will convert and they'll struggle with not eating pork. They'll struggle with not having alcohol. 
Uh, they'll struggle with, you know, praying five times a day. You know, Islam is not some magical religion that like heals all and gives you the tools that you need to navigate life as your most healthy self. It is hard. It requires sacrifice and dedication. And especially, you know, one of the kids that we spoke to, Raul, his mom kicked him out of the house. He was homeless after he decided to convert. And there were a lot of times where he said, you know, he was like suicidal and extremely depressed. He's under DACA. He's under he's undocumented. He's working for three dollars and twenty five cents an hour. He can't afford to house himself. He can barely afford to feed himself. That would make you question, like, is this worth it? But what a lot of them find is when they fall back on their religion and they look for answers in Islam, they find them and they find the resolve to soldier on. And almost all of them will tell you that, like, I look at the person that I am now, even with all this sacrifice, even with all this hardship that I found, and I am still a better person than I was before I converted. Yeah, Yeah, like a lot of people will question it. But what I kept hearing was that when they would fall back on their faith, their faith was kind of always there to catch them. Yeah. And it seems like their faith is one thing. And then like the community around that faith is another. And it seems like people were finding this extremely supportive, available, accessible community that was right there to kind of, you know, work through this with them. Um, My last question is just what were your broad takeaways from making this episode? And what do you want your viewers to walk away sort of understanding? I'm going to start with what I hope the viewers take away. And as a member of the audience watching this doc, I just hope that people come away with it with a healthy curiosity to understand Islam better, because I do believe that it is one of the more, if not the most, misunderstood religion in American life. And I will admit that there were a lot of things about Islam that I did not know and that I learned over the course of this documentary that definitely like made me more curious about the religion and in some ways reshaped what I thought about the religion. And that takes me into my next point, which is understanding that like, because of Latino converts, I got to learn more about Islam. And that's something that I think that they can do for America at large. And, you know, the idea that this like shared trauma doesn't breed resentment. It doesn't breed further division. It brought people together. It like boggles your mind thinking about people becoming a double minority, especially right now in America. And seeing how these communities have come together and bolstered each other is like amazing because it didn't drive us further apart. It's like helping build bridges instead. Well, thank you so much, Lee. This was really interesting. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You can watch Minority Reports at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Wednesday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.